So this morning, I want us to come back to the absolute truth of why we're here. I know that, that to some of us, maybe, maybe, depending on whether you've been here before or not, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you're here for the first time, um, as a reminder that we did not come to church this morning. That's, that's something we have to say. You did not come to church this morning. And the reason why we are adamant on making that a statement every time that we can is because you are the church. You don't go to something that you are. If you look at that slide, that name, 1577, to those who are here for the first time or not yet members of this congregation, our congregation's name is that name, 1577. That name is the Strong's number for the word Ecclesia to the, to the top of the screen. Ecclesia is church. It's the body of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Beautiful name that we want to stand for. And in accordance to this, one body empowered by Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of those numbers as well. Because the number one stands for one God, one true God. And we'll read a scripture now. Five is grace. Five is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Five. And 77 is the number of Jesus Christ. And so when he gave that name, 1577, the Strong's number for Ecclesia, he said, that's what I want you to be. It's what I want you to stand for. And it's something that is brand new, and it's something that is one to us, like the only ones in the world that carries this name currently. And so we'll see what God does with us. But today... The most important thing is that we don't proclaim that name because we are not a congregation. We are the ecclesia. We are the church. Part of, we are not the only congregation. There are many congregations that assemble as the ecclesia. So we have a unique name to us, but that's what we want to stand to. Today, many of you looked at me with confusion. And, 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 and I said that I could, not, I could not blame this on load shedding because there was no load shedding this morning. Even though the room was dark, I knew exactly what I was doing. There is method in the madness. So when someone looked at me this morning, it's like, did you realize some of you had that? As a statement, others went, What's with the shoes? To which I went, What do you mean? Who said you must wear the same color shoes? Who said? So then you have personalities that were made to challenge. And for some reason, my personality was made to challenge. It, it upsets many people. And, and one of the things that I always want to stand for is for absolute truth. This week, and this is why I'm wearing this. This week I received yet another message. And so some of you who are part of us would understand exactly sort of where I fit this now. And I received yet another message. The message was 100%. Black and white. 
and absolutely true in what was stated as black and white, in the flesh. So to those of you who understand, when we refer to, when we go to the right, usually when we come to the prophetic meaning of certain things, in dreams and those kind of things, your right would represent the flesh. The left would represent the spirit. The other left, if I turn around, Renal, left. <laughs> Renal is one of those people. <laughs> she always does this to see what's left. L. So, <laughs> so when, when I received this message, the only reply that I could give was, you're right. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And the reason for it is because there was no knowing this about me. There was only facts. That if I read the facts, it is a, I'm sorry, you're right. Because the knowing of the person is more than just the black and white facts. And even though the facts were all true to this message, if you did not understand me, if you did not know me, then this wouldn't matter. So this morning, what I want to read you is a scripture that would be the baseline for the message. And this is not the title. I'm just laying this down as the foundation of what we're building this morning. So we have this one body empowered by Jesus Christ. If we go on to the next scripture, Ephesians 4, verse 47 says, There is one body, one spirit, capital, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, the importance to us. But to some, but to each one of us, grace has been, not will be, has been given as Christ appointed it. So Christ is busy with a plan. Christ is not against Satan's plan. You might go, oh, no. Satan is against Christ's plan, but Jesus is not against Satan's plan. Why? Because he's only for his own plan. Satan is too low for God to focus on what Satan's busy with. His plan will prevail. Why? He said so from the beginning. And so one of the most important things that we discussed as team, as leaders, as friends, as brothers, as sisters during this week, one of the main things that I continually said, is that when I sat with God, I said, what do I do with this? What do I do with, with what I do not understand? And he said, I'm going to make it easy for you. And this is not the sermon, this is the introduction. I'm going to make it easy for you. You are a cast member. I'm the director. And action. 
You are the cast member. You have the script. You don't have the person's script sitting next to you. You're not graced for that role. You're not graced for that position. You have the script. Take the word of God for yourself and let me guide you. You do not have the person next to you's script. You are not that actor. So he simplified it in the sense, I am the director. Do not overanalyze a snapshot of a movie. But the plot is supposed to. You're supposed to be the hero. Now look at what's happening. Have you ever seen one of those romantic movies where it's just a total mess? One hour into it, it went perfect. And what you want to do is just scream and shout and go, Nyeh! everything was going so well as jy net jou oore oopgemaak het, vrou mens. It is like, my magis. We have movies in our cupboard on DVD. Every single time I watch them, I go, nie weer nie. I get so angry at a twisted plot every single time. What did God say about this movie? I will make everything work out for the good for those who love me. I will be the hero. I will. My word cannot and will not return void. And action. We are cast members in his story. It's his story. If we are church, we are his. And he says, now play your role. Act your role. Be it. You do not have each other's scripts. So let me work with you and study your script so that you can live your script every single day to the fullest. So much so that you radiate my presence. So much so that you testify with your lifestyle and your love. So much more than what your mouth could speak. Be it. And you know what hurts? Is if you are it, then you annoy certain people. I don't want anything to do with you. And then when you look at it and you go like, this isn't going like I planned. God says, and action. (laughs) So, the title of this morning's sermon is Understanding the Will of God. And I want to I ask you a question. And when I ask this question, I want you to really consider this. Okay. We have five children. And you heard, you know, I was three years old when that song was written. It was 1978. So, we have five children. And when a child gets to about two years old, you know, they, all of those with children just smiled. The opas and the omas laugh. <laughs> but when a child gets to about the two-year age, it is a difficult age. It's like it's no, no longer a baby. It's becoming toddler. And so it's a difficult phase because they're starting to, it's, it's, it's ah, ah, when they crawl. But when they stand up, 
That's, that, that, it's a totally different ballgame. Totally different. What was safe is no longer safe. Like the doors must be shut and the everything. And so you have real moments. Yay, Vietnam. You have real moments. Now, if you look at a two-year-old, and some two-year-olds can speak a bit, but in the majority of them, it's like still, it's that goo-goo-ga-ga, you know, phase of, of becoming more and more intellectual. And so they're starting to figure things out, and that's the inquisitive phase. But if you look at a two-year-old, you would not necessarily dub them like the most clever person. Now, of trade, I'm an engineer. So if, if I would sit with my two-year-old now and explain to my two-year-old simple harmonic motion and why it is that in math you start with a sin, cos, tan, cos, ex, ex, cot, and all of the young ones just roll their eyes. What? <laughs> When you look at trigonometry and, and you look at parables and, and you open parables like and, and you look at, at all of the different all of the different mathematical equations that you do in math, the moment that you go into something like mechanics, or you go into thermodynamics, or you go into certain subjects that you all of a sudden look at these waves, you go into electronics and you have the same amplitudes and waves and all of a sudden Everything in math can be applied to a different subject. And now you can understand why, for instance, when his mic is on and my mic comes on, why there goes like a peak. There's an interference in frequency and those kinds. So you can figure these things out. So when I explain to my two-year-old simple harmonic motions, which is a complicated curve, it's a complicated mathematical equation, you have an impact, and that impact has a massive amplitude, and it comes down, and it settles down. If you have a spring, and you pull it out, and you go poof, and the spring fluctuates, and it comes back to a normal. The reason I speak about simple harmonic motions as an engineer in discipleship, for instance, is that when I sit with a younger Christian, they go, the villa come off. And you go, it's okay, it's okay. You know, the wheels come off every now and then. Just remember, it's a low now. And your low is like really low. But don't worry. If you just focus, tomorrow will be, ah, it's the best of the best. As you get to know Jesus, simple harmonic motion wave. It's not a sine wave. It's a simple harmonic motion wave. It's like, ah, Sort of like a, a woman in PMS. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful wave, confusing in the beginning, because the highs are highs and the lows are low. But don't worry, as you grow, it becomes more constant. It's a simple harmonic motion wave, and there's a way in which engineering, you can apply mathematics, to. Work it back. So if you have the amplitude here and you work it back, you can actually calculate the exact moment of impact. Like the earth at the moment. The earth has a simple harmonic motion curve. Did you know that? If we measure the earth's simple harmonic motion curve and work it back, guess what? 
about 4,400 years ago, something hit the earth. What? Is there no evidence to keys? And when we read in the Bible and we go back, there was a name Noah. And there was a worldwide flood. Something happened. Everything overflowed. So, wow. You want to tell me that engineering can actually work it back? Yeah, simple harmonic motions, if we measure the pulse of the earth at the moment, we can work it back. You know what it says? <laughs> the Bible's true. Oh, the atheists don't like that. They don't like it. Because when science proves God, we sit there and we go, why does God need to be proven? What he says is true. So coming back to my two-year-old, I explain to my two-year-old simple harmonic motions. She goes, huh? So the difference between me and my two-year-old, I'm 48 now. The difference between me and my two-year-old, not that I have a two-year-old anymore, but is her understanding towards me as 48 years old, as an engineer, in my understanding, is that further away from my understanding towards God or not? No, she understands me way better than what I can understand God. So the title of the sermon is not understanding God. The title of the sermon is understanding the will of God. Because there's a massive, massive difference between understanding God, which is impossible, and understanding the will of God. And I think there's a tendency in Christianity lately with the effect of secular humanism trying to sneak in to Christianity and pushing the boundary that we think we have the liberty to understand God. We must have news for us this morning. It is impossible. God says it is impossible. If you just go and read Isaiah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book. But the prophecy, 700 years in advance prior to Jesus, saying he's coming again, just for those, if you want to go and read the book of Isaiah. Beautiful book, Bible, 66 books in one. 39 of them Old Testament, 27 of them New Testament. Isaiah, guess what? 66 chapters. 39 of them referring to the Old Testament, 27 of them referring to the New Testament. Now, it's not as if Isaiah went, hey, <laughs> I'm going to make this happen. We're going to have 66 chapters. He didn't know he wrote in chapters or verse. That was for us. And I'm not 100% sure whether those who actually went chapters and verses, when they broke it up for us, knew what they were doing. I don't know. But it's fascinating that 39 of them speak to the Old Testament and 27 to the New Testament. So it's a miniature Bible in itself. So it speaks to the Messiah and what Jesus is going to come and do. But if you go to, to Isaiah 55, it says, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways of doing things are higher than your ways of doing things. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my way of doing is higher than your way. It says, As rain and snow comes down and waters the earth so that the seed can bud, and those who must have bread will have bread to eat. 
So it will be, so it says, snow and rain does not go back. If it does, if you've ever seen rain go back, go park your car in the garage. Because later on, that rain's going to come down in solid form. If I explain solid form now, you have gas, liquids, solids. That rain is going to come back as hail. If it does go up, but it will come down. And so, it says, as rain and snow does not return back to heaven, so it is with my word, says God. It will not return void. It will accomplish everything that I've sent it out to be. Does that sound like Jesus adapting his plan to the, to the strategy of Satan? No. He said, I knew the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. That's my story. You will figure it out. How? Intimacy. Intimacy. Not anything else but number one, intimacy. So when we start with intimacy, the second step becomes possible because that's dying to self. And then the third step is renewal of the mind. The one does not become in front of the others. If you do not know God, if you do not grow in an intimate relationship with God, you will not understand the will of God. It's when you love Him with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. It's only when you love Him first that and your neighbor as yourself will start to make sense. So this make every effort is a scripture that we're working towards this morning. We're going to come to the scripture this morning. Make every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith. And so this morning I want to say to you that intimacy with God fuels everything. When we grow in intimacy with God, we start to understand His will. When we understand His will, His will for us is die, die, die. Why? Because this fleshly nature has a way of doing black and white where we become so good in our Christianity because we know all the rules that we become dead in religion. We can judge one another and live in such a way that everything that we do seems so right. But there is a spirit. The day that I realized I am spirit, I have a body, that day my spirit man got control of my right hand. It took my right hand. Why? Right represents flesh. It shows my flesh that my spirit is in control even of my flesh. It goes, okay, Pierre, okay, 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 do it, do it, Pierre, do it, do it, do it, do it. When my flesh stands up, yeah, what the worst. My spirit just grabs onto it. Goes, Pear, you will die. Yeah, but what about this? When we start to pray in this way and we think that we actually communicate with God. And God says, Read the script. I have given you 
everything that pertains to life and godliness. Have. It's done. Stop living towards it. Start living out of it. Christianity is not a religion. It is not something that we live towards. It is something we live out of. That's why it starts with intimacy. When you intimately get to know Him, you are willing to die. When you are willing to die, you start to see your mind being renewed. And that is repent. Metanoia. Change the way you think. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And there are only two kingdoms. I want to read you two strong statements. Now, to everyone who is on our database, you will receive this PDF. And and our suggestion is please go through these statements and, and be critical in your own evaluation of these statements. Obeying God only when He makes sense is not obedience, but rather agreement. So, we should not think that when we hang on before we act, because we want to understand, we want to make sense of this. There's the difference between knowing the will of God, and that is, die, Pierre. Pierre, die. You are too important to yourself now. Die. Lord, why is this hurting so much? Because it's your flesh. That's why. A dead man cannot feel pain. But did you hear what he said? Did you hear what she said? And why does it bother you? Because it's not true. Okay, but why does it bother you? Because I'm hearing it. A dead man cannot hear. Duh. So this progressive righteousness and the way that we're supposed to grow spiritually, in the fleshly term, it's to die more. That's progressive righteousness. So this is a statement I want us to view. Do we want to understand God before we obey? Because that's not called obedience. It's called agreement. I'll agree when you explain yourself to me, Lord. Yes, you are guiding me to take this business venture, but Lord, seriously now, you can't expect this of me because you know all the facts does not, that that doesn't add up. So I can be very black and white and very right. Lord, surely you can't expect this of me, Lord, because you know, and so now I can't sleep. Why? Because it doesn't make sense. I, I don't understand. So I stand up, I wake up in the morning at 2, and I go, Jesus, will you please just explain to me? I'm like, I want to do this. I can feel this is the right. But now I'm praying to understand him rather than praying to understand his will. I was there as an engineer. I felt the call of God towards this, what I'm doing now. Again, I'm saying to you, if I knew then... What this was going to cost. I would just say, no thank you. <laughs> Ni donkey. Because this was a very, very interesting journey. <laughs> very, if I can say the least. Very interesting. But I remember when Rudy and myself walked onto sites. The last site that we were on, massive anthracite plant that we set up in the northern KwaZulu-Natal. Walked onto the site. It was, it was like the the pinnacle of irony. We put up a 
white plant on an anthracite mine. If you understand what anthracite is, basically a high, a high-grade um, coal, black coal going through a white plant. We said, well, at least this is going to last a week. <laughs> so we took few pictures before the, the anthracite came. So we built this massive plant. Now, remember walking onto that site. Now, we were already lead elders of a congregation in Clarksdorp. We planted a church in Clarksdorp. So we were marketplace ministers. Led this congregation, and we, we're here on the plant. And, and I just want to make sure that, like, everyone knows Jesus. But now this is all about the steel. So I remember walking onto the site, and I, and I, was, I was so angry inside of me. And Rudy looked at me one day. He said, Pera, what the heck is wrong? And I'm like, I'm angry. He says, about what? I'm like, I must act as if I give a hoot about the steelwork and this massive plant that we just bought. I must sit in meetings and tell them that we're so interested in the cables being laid and the progress on the budget and the schedule and everything. But the foreman, I can see his marriage isn't making it. I can see this person is struggling. I, can, I feel the people. I want to bring truth. And so God started working with kingdom principles. He went like, what are you scared of? I'm like, it's this whole Christian thing, like it's supposed to be yours. And, 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 and so it's like, did I appoint you as the senior project manager over the site? I'm like, yes. So he said, then claim the site. I went, okay. So the next day we had the mechanical contractors and the electrical contractors. We went through this whole plan. And they started moaning about things. You know what I did? I mean, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop your griping. You sound just like Israel when they were saved from slavery. We were appointed senior project managers over the site. You were appointed by us. We live for the glory of one, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you will stop your moaning, and you will go out and speak to your teams, and you will tell them this. If I hear one negative comment on schedule or budget, you will not be allowed on the site. The reason why is Jesus woke me up last night and he told me we will make it and we will do it in time. I'm not commanding. I'm not demanding. I'm telling you what the King of Kings said. So now go out and speak to your people and tell them if they are willing to do what we just said, they will feel the help of the angels. You know what started happening? Immediately. When the crane would come with mechanical pieces that had to fit together, where previously they struggled to put everything together, those things would line up and they would just take the bolts. And the Meccano said, just went. Why? Because the supernatural came in. When the CEO started getting zomalt by some of the Zulu spirits in the area, where demonic forces of that area and region wanted to come against what God wanted to do, you know what happened? God gave me a dream. I woke up the next morning, I had a dream. Not like Martha Luther King, the junior, 
I had a different dream. I went to the site, sat at the site, and and I've, I've testified about this so many times. Sat in the meeting, and the CEO started speaking, and he lashed out against us about the money and the and I went, oh, this is the dream. So I'm going to have to speak up now. Jesus told me what to do. I had the dream last night. And again, as I've testified previously, same site. said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. You will never, ever use mammon to manipulate us. You can take your money. We prayed about this plant. We prayed about this project. And God told us, the sons of God, to take this project to protect you, not the other way around. Do not use money, ever, to manipulate us. That's mammon. We serve a living God. So God told me that you are a son of God, but you went astray. This is to a CEO. My dream stopped right there. So now the rest becomes testimony. What am I calling out, church? This. I'm calling out, you are spirit. We were made spirit. And you know why? Because we cannot die. There is nothing that can happen to a Christian that will make you die. Not even your last breath in flesh. Why? Because you're alive in Christ. For how long? No, it's not measured in time. There is not a how long in forever. That is not measured in time. Time is an earthly thing. So God is busy with us. As His church, as Ecclesia saying to us, do not be black and white in religion. Be spirit. Understand my will. Stop trying to understand me. I know what I'm doing. My commands towards you is for your best. It's not against you. It's for you. Read the script. I won. You will win. Live in this way. Trust me. I mean, things happen to us. That seems like so difficult and difficult. To get through. And all we do is pull near to Him. Why? Because intimacy is the place from which we live. When life does not make sense, do not try and make sense out of it. Just pull near to Him. Why? Because He makes sense. He is above the senses of this world. If I only obey God when His commands or guidance makes sense to me, I cannot call him Lord, but rather advisor. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. If I mention the following, God's way to you, I want you to go and study this. Because in the Old Testament, God wasn't a different God to the God that he is today. God did not repent when Jesus came. God did not change when Jesus came. We started understanding the will. We started seeing his plan. Why? Because for the whole of the Old Testament, his plan was hidden. His plan was called the mystery. The mystery was the person of Jesus. 
So when you go and read that God didn't change, I want you to go and read the story of Exodus. Now, the book of Exodus starts off by explaining to us Moses was born, chapter 1. And then how Moses was hidden. That was, that was a beautiful story because it was the second small ark. It was. The first ark saved Noah and his family. The second small ark, also covered with pitch, on water. Was sort of a, why? Because God protected his plan. It's a mystery. This person is going to lead you out of this land later. He must first become a prince in this world system of Egypt with Pharaoh and he's and so and then and then realize that he's confused, but he's actually Israelite. When you go and read the book of Exodus, there's something that you will see in this book. The first 19 chapters of Exodus is all about God saving Israel. Then only when you get to Exodus 20 do you actually get the law. Then only does he tell them how. It's all him. He provides supernaturally. He sends Nando's with something that tastes like honeycomb that they pick up from the floor. I'm not sure if the quail that flew in, if they had peri-peri then. I don't know. But I know there must have been herbs and lemon. So at least they could go lemon and herb. I'm not sure exactly how it worked, but for 40 years, for 40 years, Nando's flew in, came to them. We think Mr. Delivery. Like that was supernatural. He provides. Then only in chapter 20, after he saved, after he showed his heart, does he give the law to say, this is how. You know what they did with the law? Black and white. And then the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations came and went like it's, it was never meant for this. It was never, ever meant for this. The only way that you'll be able to live my will is if you become intimate with me. Seek me first. When you seek me, you will find me. It's a promise. Draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Then you'll be able to die to your own way of always wanting to understand, manipulate situations so that you can take control. I'm in control. I'm God. I'm not your advisor. I'm Lord. I'm King. So now we come to Colossians, and we're going to land with this. To them God, no, sorry, Colossians 1, 25 to 28. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. He is 
the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. I'm going to switch to this scripture. Okay, and this is what we're going to land with. 2 Peter 1, verse 2 to 11, New Living Translation. May God give you more and more grace, peace, as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As you grow in your knowledge of Him, not your knowledge of the law, your knowledge of Him. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. Point number one, intimacy. The one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that, that enable us to share His divine nature and escaping the world's corruption caused by human desires. This speaks to spirit life. We go on. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't live out of knowledge. We live out of knowledge of Him and who He is. Intimacy. And then verse 9. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among the, those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fail. You will never fall away. Then God will give you a, gra a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. And then in conclusion, one body empowered by Jesus Christ.